0: Welcome back to the our View podcast. On today's episode, I welcome my guest, Eric Harris. Eric is Director of Public Policy at Disability Rights California. Join our conversation as we discuss the intersectionality of being Black and disabled, the importance of including people with disabilities in on-community engagement conversations, and areas where the local, state, and federal laws can be improved to better assist those who have disabilities. So uh, welcome to the Our podcast. On today's episode, I welcome my guest, Eric Harris. So uh, Eric, let's get right into this conversation. I'm so excited for uh, the topics we have planned to discuss. So can you tell us a little bit more about who Eric Harris is?
1: Yes. Um, So my name is Eric Harris. And first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm an African-American male. Um, I was born with congenital hip dislocation, and so I have nerve damage in my left leg um, and my right foot and right ankle, um, and I'm a wheelchair user. Uh, I was born in Northern California in the East Bay Area, um, Berkeley, um, and I grew up in Sacramento. Um, I went to college in um, Arizona, um, and I uh, played wheelchair basketball um, in high school and in college, Um, I actually um, went to college on a wheelchair basketball scholarship. Um, And then following college, I I went to the University of Oregon School of Law um, and I graduated from there. Um, And then I actually um, did some work in Washington DC, some political work um, and now back in uh, Northern California. And for the most part, um, what I do is um, policy work. I really care about um, creating policies and changing policies so that they help marginalized communities, especially African-Americans, especially people with disabilities, um, but really all marginalized communities, making sure that they're spoken for and that they have a seat at the table um, when it comes to decision-making.
0: That is so fantastic. And uh, before we started recording, I. Uh, I thanked you for uh, taking the time out to speak with me. And uh, I wanted to make sure that I said that because I've said it many times on my podcast, the stories of people of color, African-Americans, and especially men, uh, African-American men who have disabilities, our stories are not told. And so I, I am happy to share this platform with you. Uh, to have this discussion and talk about your life and all of the great things that you've accomplished, some of which you just mentioned. Um, So thank you again so much for uh, sharing your time with me this morning. And um, so you mentioned that you uh, you were born with congenital hip dislocation. Can you explain what that is and how it has impacted your life?
1: Yes, so um, when I was born, um, I was born with my uh, hip dislocated. Um, I know that that is uh, kind of difficult to to imagine for for most folks, Um, but uh, yeah, I was was born with my hip, my left hip dislocated, Um, and so I had uh, nerve damage, Um, so some of my um, joints and some of my muscles um, um, were weakened. Um, I had multiple surgeries, um, before I was, um, a couple of years old, um, as a baby and then, and then as a toddler, um, so that they could, so doctors could do as much as they could, um, to make sure that I, um, had as many opportunities as I, as I could, not only to, um, to walk, to feel my legs, but, but just to live and survive. Um, you know, I was told many times growing up, um, and and really really young, I'm talking toddler age, and 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 um, you know before the age of five, was told that I might not fully um, be able to walk later in life. Um, I was uh, you know told many things when it came to um, what I would or would not be able to do. Um, but but truth be told, I I, <clears throat> I had plenty of opportunities um, being in Sacramento, um, being in Northern California. Um, around the Bay Area. I um, went to Stanford Children's Hospital um, as a child um, and then transferred over to uh, um, Shriners Hospital, which is a children's hospital. They have children's hospitals all throughout the country um, that are free um, and offer services for individuals with um, limb disabilities, as well as um, those who have uh, burn injuries. Um, but really, you know, my parents, my family and my friends are the ones who have, up, you know, uplifted me through all um, that I've been through. Um, I would say that they have empowered me um, and having my disability has really empowered me as well. It's really given me opportunities, opened doors for me, allowed me to meet Amazing people around the world allowed me to participate in a sport, wheelchair basketball and wheelchair softball, that I really care about deeply. Um, and so that's why I feel like it's important for me to give back through the work that I do now, um, and make sure that I'm fighting for people with disabilities, for African Americans, um, because I, you know, it's it's all the the sacrifices that have been made and the and the things that people have done. Um, so. Um, my life with my disability has really empowered me and made me a better person.
0: I'm so glad to hear you say that because part of my goal in uh, creating the Our View brand and the uh, awareness company and consulting company is that I want to change the tone of conversation about disabilities. So to hear you say that your disability has empowered you is the best thing I couldn't have ever heard. And I can definitely agree. Uh, for me, you mentioned your, your parents, for me, my parents as well, my whole family. Um, uh, I'm, I mentioned, uh, on the podcast, my mom is one of seven children. My dad is one of 10. So my, my family, my, my cousins and the extended family, they have all just, you know, empowered me. And, and as you mentioned, you know, your diagnosis and your your prognosis and everything that the doctors have said may have not been the best. And you hear a lot of negative things about what you won't be able to do and, and how you'll have to live your life. But it truly does make a difference uh, in my case. And it sounds like in your case as well, that having the support of uh, your family really makes a difference and does allow you to uh, you know, make you realize your your reality of, yes, I have to do things differently, but I can still do things and I can still uh, be successful. And like you said, go travel around the world and meet people and uh, start great relationships and friendships with people. So I appreciate you saying that uh, your disability has empowered you. That's so uh, powerful. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for that. You are now a Special Advisor for Strategic Partnerships and Community Engagement at uh, Disability Rights California. Can you uh, get into uh, the importance of including people with disabilities in community uh, engagement? I know for myself, I work for a nonprofit, uh, I work for a nonprofit called Build Jake's Place here in New Jersey. We build inclusive playgrounds. So we, we have currently two playgrounds that we've built. And uh, we are, before COVID-19 hit, uh, we were working with seven other townships here in the state to build new playgrounds. And for us, community engagement uh, and, and including people with disabilities in that engagement has been so key uh, to getting these playgrounds built and just uh, the raising awareness about disabilities within those communities where, we're, where we are building. Uh, has been so important. So can you talk about your work with uh, strategic partnerships and community engagement with Disability Rights California?
1: Yes, absolutely. So um, as we know, and I, you know, I, I talk about it all the time, <clears throat> just the importance of having people with disabilities at every table, um, every decision-making table, every um, power table. Um, it is crucial to have people with lived experience with disabilities um, just because our perspective is so is so unique. Um, I, I once had a friend tell me that living with a disability is like living through an obstacle course every day. Um, you have to be creative. You have to figure out everything that you're going through. you have to plan ahead. Um, and you have to be prepared if you try to go somewhere, you try to do something, and you're essentially told no, you can't go. Um, so I think that having somebody with a with lived experience with a disability, in a position to make partnerships um, and, and engage with the community is crucial. Um, a lot of the partnerships that Disability Rights California has, has done um, is, is really intentional um, and it's with the disability community specifically. Um, we are uh, you know, an organization with a hundred lawyers who work very hard, but as, as I'm sure you know, and as um, your listeners know, California has 40 million people. Um, And if just based on kind of the the generous statistics that one in four approximately have a disability that's 10 million people with a disability in California and we have 100 lawyers Um, so just on the numbers alone, those 100 lawyers aren't going to be able to communicate with every single person with a disability in the state of California. They're not going to be able to to connect with every single person. And so, you know, my position, uh, my job is essentially to engage with the community and make sure that the community knows what DRC is capable of doing, what DRC is able to do. Uh, But also what individuals can do and what parents can do for themselves and for their families. um, If they have a child with a disability, um, they can do their own self advocate, you know, self advocacy, they can do their own um, kind of engaging with politicians and elected officials. And so that's really what you know my position is it's to make some of the connections by connecting some dots, but then also Uh, making sure that the community knows, you know, the work that the disability advocates are doing, um, making sure that they know what their rights are, making sure that they know um, that they're educated when it comes to these policies and some of these changes in laws. Uh, And so I just think it's crucial. And it shouldn't just be disability organizations that are doing this. Every organization, every company should have a disability perspective, folks who reach out to the disability community and other marginalized communities. Um, So I just think it's really important, especially um, in the era that we're in now with technology, um, of course, social media, um, of course, different platforms of communication. Um, It's just so important um, and it's really easy to do now Um, to reach so many people um, with literally the click of a button.
0: Yeah, that is so true. I love what your friend said about living with a disability is like an obstacle course. Uh, And it is truly, it's so true. (laughs) Uh, The planning ahead and just, you know, you never know what uh, awaits for you when you get to that destination. Uh, Even last night, I, um, you know, we're still in the middle of the sheltering in place everywhere. And Uh, because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And just last night, I said to my mom, I said, well, it's supposed to snow possibly early next week here in New Jersey. I said, I have to go to the store tomorrow because I have to get some snacks. And she said, oh, I, I didn't realize it was supposed to snow. And I said, yeah, well, I, like you said, planning ahead, I look ahead at the weather, see what the weather's going to be like, <laughs> because, you know, I, I might want to go out Tuesday. And, and if I don't look ahead, it might be, that's the day it snows. So I always look ahead. And even if it doesn't snow, that's fine. But just the planning ahead is something that, uh, you know, I always have to pay attention to. And I, I I think um, the work that you're doing is very important because I can remember, I can remember being a, a younger, a, a child, and just um, the difficulty that it 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 was to try to find um, resources available for you know for myself with uh, having a disability. So uh, the creation of of uh, Disability Rights California, I think, and other organizations like that uh, are very, very much needed right now, and uh, you know, very important to have, and, and to have the uh, perspective of someone who has a disability is also tremendously uh, important, and so I'm, I'm glad to hear that you are uh, doing that work. And with the numbers that you just mentioned, with all of the, the the population, the total population in California, and the amount of that population who have a disability is, you know, it's, it's tremendous. It's it's huge. So, uh, you know, the work that, that you're doing and other organizations are doing around the country is so important. Um, so, I I want to get into a little bit of um, a discussion about intersectionality of disability and race. Both of, uh, both you and I are African-American men who have disabilities and uh, over the last few months in the last year, this has been uh, a topic of conversation that has come up uh, quite often of intersectionality. And I, I wanna just talk about um, your your perspective of uh, being an African-American man with a disability and, and what types of, um, What types of difficulties you have encountered because of of those two two things?
1: Oh man, so, uh, you know, I recognize um, how unique um, I am, um, both um, as a person with a disability in some of the spaces that I'm in, as well as an African-American in some of the spaces that I'm in. Um, And it hits me, um, especially as I went through school, um, I was often the only person using a wheelchair, um, you know, in, in various spaces. Um, I would often be in many situations, be the only African-American. Um, and then as I um, kind of grew, especially as a young man, um, I recognized different things. I, I experienced different things, um, different levels of discrimination. Um, and, and so I recognize kind of what challenges um, are out there, um, but I also viewed them um, as opportunities to educate, um, especially um, in both the disability community and the African-American community. Um, before coming to DRC, I was uh, a board member of the local NAACP, as well as a legislative advocate of the statewide NAACP of California Um, and it was important that I was in the rooms that I was in um, for the NAACP uh, but also representing uh, people with disabilities and making sure that the leadership um, in the NAACP and other black organizations recognize um, that there are members of our community who have disabilities and not just people in wheelchairs. Um, but people with mental health disabilities, um, as, as you know, and as I'm sure your listeners know, the stigma around mental health is ridiculous. Um, and especially in the Black community, um, as well as the Latino community and others, um, the Black community looks at, you know, our, our men in particular, as macho or having to do or we, we view it as you got to be tough, you, you can't be a punk, you, you got to fight through it. And we even view that when it comes to mental health disabilities. Um, And that's a problem. Um, It's caused a lot of men, Black men with mental health disabilities to stay hidden or to kind of hold back. Um, And what I try to represent um, and what I try to speak on is the importance of everybody being prideful in exactly who they are. Um, and And that means everything of who they are. So that means that African-Americans be proud of being African-Americans, that people with disabilities be proud of being people with disabilities because you never know who's watching. You never know who's listening. Um, you know, I've been in situations where I've been around parents with children with disabilities who often, you know, try to hold their child back, try to say, oh, you know, my kid can't do that or I don't want my kid to get hurt. Um, and I think that having pride um, in, in all that you are and being lifted up by leadership, whether it's elected officials or business executives or nonprofit organizers, um, it's so important that all of us are recognized in our completeness. Um, and so, you know, as everybody else has, you know, I, I've lived through life and experienced different things. And sometimes, Um, what I recognize and what I see when it comes to some of these incidents um, that have happened. um, And of course they've happened uh, throughout history, but um, regarding um, police interaction with, uh, with individuals who are African-American, with the black community, with black people, um, those, those interactions have been, have been often terrible. Um, And something that I always keep in mind, and I'm sure many people with disabilities keep in mind, that a lot of times when we see some of these individuals who are mistreated by police, killed by police, um, abused by police, oftentimes they're not just Black men. Of course, most of them are are Black men first, and we recognize that, and they're seen as Black men and as a threat. But a lot of times these are Black men with mental health conditions as well, um, and with other disabilities as well. Um, And so, you know, that hits folks um, a different way. Um, We can all develop disabilities at different points in our lives. I was born with my disability. A lot of the people that I work with and work around have had disabilities um, later in life, whether it's through accidents, through car accidents or just over time, um, people uh, obtain different disabilities. I know during the pandemic, um, we could talk about mental health disabilities. During a pandemic, being alone all the time and being um, kind of enclosed in your house and not and not communicating with anybody else uh, physically uh, that can impact somebody's mental health. Right. Um, and So all of these things are important to talk, to talk about. And it's so important that we recognize that somebody who has a mental health disability who's a white male straight, a white straight male has a completely different and unique experience to a person who is a an African-American male or an African-American woman with a mental health disability who might've grown up in poverty or, um, or any number of intersections. We talk about the, the LGBTQIA plus community, um, members of that community who are also African-American who also have disabilities experience completely different and unique um, levels of discrimination. Um, And it's important that we recognize that um, and that we do what we can to fight against it.
0: Thank thank you so much for that such complete answer. (laughs) That was, um, I I loved so much of what you said. And I think one of the big things is what you mentioned uh, last there is that everybody has their different experiences. you know, uh, us uh being born with our disabilities and uh people developing disabilities later in life, and uh, you know, the mental health aspect is so huge. And that is something that I am uh going to be addressing more often on uh this podcast, mental health disabilities. And just um I, I loved what you said also about uh having pride in who we are as total beings, if you know, if it's being disabled and, and Black or whatever it is, just having pride and uh, celebrating that and who we are and just uh, embracing it, I think, is, is a really big and important thing to uh, mention and highlight there. In, in your introduction, you mentioned a lot of the uh, accomplishments that you have achieved uh, in life. Um, you graduated law school, you interned uh, in different uh, law offices for, and you were uh, you interned for Representative Barbara Lee, you uh, worked and interned at the Democratic National Convention, and for uh, President Obama's re-election campaign, and that was, uh, I, I loved reading that in your bio, when, when I saw that, I was like, wow, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, I, I know the Americans with Disabilities Act is like the big uh, The big law that was passed uh, to assist with uh, making things better for people with uh, disabilities in the United States, but having a a background in law uh, as you do and having interned for uh, some political uh, figures and uh, political uh, organizations, uh, where do you feel that the laws within the United States can be improved to better assist those who live with disabilities?
1: That's a great question. Um, You know, my experiences um, have been, across the board, just amazing. Um, Locally in Sacramento, um, working for a city council member um, statewide, doing policy work in the state capitol with the state legislature. And then, of course, nationally with Congresswoman Barbara Lee, who represents the East Bay Area, as well as um, uh, working for the Democratic National Committee. you know, I would say that the ways that, that we can improve that, and I say we, um, America, government, policymakers, um, we can improve in a lot of ways. Um, when it comes to equal access, um, that's probably number one. Making sure that people with disabilities have equal access to housing, equal access to employment, equal access to any financial resources that they need, equal access to healthcare. Um, equal access to transportation, all of these are so important. I mean, you talk about living in New Jersey. I live in California. Um, those, for a lot of people with disabilities, um, we've had to make those choices to live in um, in places where we have access um, to as much um, as we need. Um, we at, oftentimes need to be in large cities as people with disabilities just because um, more of the resources that can help us are in these large cities and in these large metropolitan areas, as well as um, um, being in these large cities can help us with transportation issues, can help us with accessibility when it comes to building accessibility, school accessibility. Um, a lot of us can't live in parts of the country um, where, the, where um, you have either terrible weather, you have inaccessible buildings. You have old structures, and I know you live on the East Coast, so you, you um, I'm sure you see up close and personal kind of what old traditional <laughs> building,
0: yes. old traditional
1: streets, um, all these things. Um, and so I, uh, I just think that you know it's so important um, to to recognize that all of these things can be in, improved. Um, And that uh, it's on us disability advocates as well as people with disabilities to continue to push for these things. And part of that comes with people with disabilities stepping up and leading um, and and taking on um, challenges and and coming to the seat at the table. And if we don't have a seat at the table to create our own table until we get a seat at that table. and so, uh, you know, really it's it's every area of policy, every area of law, people with disabilities need to be involved and thought about. Um, and, and up until this point, we haven't been. Um, so, um, so that's, you know, the importance of a Disability Rights California, a Disability Rights New Jersey, a Disability Rights New York, a Disability Rights Texas, all of these organizations um, fight on behalf of people with disabilities, as well as all the grassroots organizations throughout the country. Um, and so that's why, you know, the fight continues. Um, my boss always says that our goal should be, um, as a as Disability Rights California, our goal should be to, um, to put ourselves out of business, to do the work so well that people with disabilities don't need to have <laughs> disability advocates anymore, but right. that the laws are already changed and we don't need to have But unfortunately, um, you know, up until now, and probably for for the time uh, beyond now, um, we will need disability advocates, we will need advocates um, in all areas. Um, So I'm really, really excited to do the work that we're doing, because we're, you know, we're trying to to make a difference.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, I love what your boss says. That's the same thing we say for uh, the nonprofit I work, I work with that, you know, hopefully one day we won't have to advocate so hard for inclusive playgrounds because they will be the norm, and every playground that's that's being built will be built to uh, meet the needs of those with disabilities. So, uh, you know, so I really can relate to <laughs> to what your boss said uh, about that. So that's really, uh, really cool. And it's it's so important that uh, having this discussion with you, it's so important that, people know that the disability rights uh, organizations, they exist throughout the country. And it, it's, um, you know, it's important that, you know, that we can connect with those uh, types of organizations to uh, reach out to them and, and advocate for, uh, for things that, that we need and things that we would like to see and things that we want to uh, better improve. And I love that you uh, use the word we because it is a, a joint effort from everybody. I think everybody has a role to play in this. And, um, you know, we, we all can work together to make some changes and make some great things happen. So can you um, can you tell us a little bit more about how uh, you became involved with wheelchair basketball? I personally, uh, growing up when I was younger, even now as an adult, I uh, didn't play any um, any adaptive sports, uh, mostly because I remember growing up, uh, there didn't seem to be much available. Um, You know, and if it was, it was very difficult to find. I live in New Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia, and uh, there were things that were available, but they were like so far away from where I lived. So um, can you talk about your experience of how you got involved with wheelchair basketball, and I know you said you got a scholarship for it and and all of that, so I'd love to hear uh, some more about that conversation.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting, you know, growing up, I was always um, participating in sports, so I, um, growing up, I, I walked using leg braces, and, um, and I didn't even, honestly, even in like the first 13 or 14 years of my life, I didn't even consider using a wheelchair because I could walk. Um, so I would play basketball, baseball, flag football, tennis, golf, like every sport you could think oh, of. Fine. I just, wanted to keep playing. um, and it wasn't until I was in high school and I tried out for my high school golf team, um, and was disappointed that I didn't make it. I, um, uh, there was some controversy around that decision, but, but I didn't make the team and my dad um, actually looked for adaptive sports in the area of Northern California. Um, I'm in, I'm located in Sacramento. I'm from Sacramento, um, and the closest wheelchair basketball program um, was in Berkeley. Is in Berkeley um, for the most part. There's still some some teams that are a little closer, but Berkeley um, had a team um, and, and a program um, for kids with disabilities. And so Berkeley is about an hour and 15, hour, 20 minutes away. If I take the train, it's about two hours away. Um, and I went to go check it out for the first time. Um, and I just fell in love. Um, I didn't know what to expect. Um, but when I got there, I saw other kids that looked like me, um, that were from um, you know parts of the Bay Area that I um, identified with, parts of the East Bay in Oakland and Oakland and in Richmond, California, as well as um, parts of San Francisco. Um, and so, um, you know, I just fell in love with the sport. I wanted to do it every day. Um, I would travel by myself um, to uh, Berkeley every week to practice. And, and and that was, I was, you know, 13, or 14 years old. Um, taking the train to the Bay Area, and with my basketball chair and my backpack, you know, of clothes to change into, um, and I would come back that evening, um, and um, or sometimes I would stay for the whole weekend because a lot of my friends were on the team. I have family members who are in the Bay Area, um, so I would stay, you know, in in the area, and um, and I I fell in love with it so much that I just wanted to play it all the time. And I um, was able to earn a, a scholarship to go play um, college um, college wheelchair basketball for the University of Arizona. I was able to travel to Australia and play for under 20 USA team. Um, and just on and on, just so many different cool experiences. Um, as you said, there aren't very many, there aren't teams in every city. Right. So sometimes um, even in high school, we would have to travel to, Dallas or Seattle or Philly or, um, or, you know, LA, uh, to be able to play Wisconsin, um, while I was in high school. So it was a really cool experience. I'm a 15, 16 year old kid and I'm able to travel all over the country to play this sport. And it really, uh, um, gave me some experiences, allowed me to make some connections and build my confidence um, and it's, it's just a wonderful sport, and I played wheelchair softball, there's wheelchair tennis, there's wheelchair track, quad rugby, there's every sport that you can think of, um, there's an adaptive form of that sport, and, um, you know, a lot of us are really excited about the Paralympics coming up. Um, of course, they had to be delayed um, from 2020 to 2021, uh, but the Paralympics um, are going to take place very soon in Tokyo. Um, And we are ecstatic, Um, we have, you know, some amazing athletes, men and women athletes, male and female athletes, um, who, uh, you know, are the best in the world at what they do and I encourage um, everybody to pay attention and watch, Um, you know, when I was younger, I was always frustrated that I couldn't watch the Paralympics as easily. Um, but now, you know, um, networks and and online websites are, are making adjustments and trying to show these um, platforms and show these these games on their platforms. Um, and so I just encourage everybody to, to check them out and uh, and really enjoy it.
0: Thank you. Um, thank you for sharing uh, that story of your experience. And that's uh, I wanted to make sure I, I brought that up because um, as, as I said, I remember not, uh, not having access to or not realizing there were um, accessible and adaptive sport programs that existed. Um, and, and as you said, they're getting a lot better now. And they're uh, showing the Paralympic Games on, uh, on the internet and on different uh, networks when they come on. So I, I think it's uh, very important to stress that these programs do exist and just encourage people to uh, get involved, even uh, as children, as adults, just to uh, stay as active as possible and uh, meeting people who look like you, as you said, like there were a lot of people who who look like you and just uh, having that network and that community of people uh, to share a common uh, thing as playing a sport, which is what uh, a lot of people are interested in doing and just uh, don't know of don't know of the best way to to do it and make it happen. So just make sure you search search around in your local uh, communities, in your state, and just find out where the nearest sports, uh, adaptive sport programs are. To wrap this up, this conversation, which I thoroughly enjoyed, uh, can you share one or two things uh, about what you feel people most misunderstand about you, your diagnosis, or just um, what people misunderstand about those who have disabilities in general. You know that's
1: a that's a great question. I think that the biggest thing that I um, try to get across to other people um, is that disability should never be viewed as a negative. Um, and and I know you know we've seen it um, and we've heard it um, across national news, across especially in. Um, Uh, Hollywood and other um, ways that that disability is perceived. It's viewed as a danger, or it's viewed as such a sad time, or it's viewed as such a challenge that we have to overcome. Uh, But I want disability, I want people to kind of flip that a little bit and to view disability as an asset. Um, Having a disability um, gives me a perspective um, and allows me to um, engage and use um, um, ideas um, and use part of my background that other people might not have thought about. And, and it also opens doors for me. Um, I'm able to um, you know participate in a sport that I wouldn't have ever um, participated in if I didn't have a disability. I'm able to meet people throughout the country or throughout the world who, who care about people with disabilities and, and have family members with people with disabilities, and it just adds and continues to build. Um, so my network and your network, I'm sure, and others um, can grow exponentially because of our lived experience, and we're mm-hmm. able to influence what other people and how other people view disability, um, but really it's it ultimately is Viewing disability in the positive viewing disability as part of who we are the same way you and I view each other as African American men. The same way you know we anybody else in the LGBTQIA+ plus community views themselves in that community um, or um, women who are prideful um, all it and it just goes on and on disability is only part of our life experience. It's a big part of our life experience, but it's just a part, Um, it's part of who we are. And so for anybody to ignore that, for anybody to say something like, oh, I don't even see you as a person with a disability, or I don't even see you as a black person. It's like, that'd be disrespectful to me. Um, I'm prideful of of who I am and what I represent in every area. And so um, I just think that, uh, you know, that's the biggest thing that I try to, um, you know, message to other folks. Uh, that I say, hey, look, man, you know, you're your complete self. I'm my complete self. And it wouldn't, I wouldn't be me um, if I didn't have a disability. So uh, <laughs> that's what I would say is probably the biggest, biggest uh, message that I try to send to all people with and without disabilities.
0: Um, so uh, thank you so very much for your time. Again, I appreciate it. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. And um, I I hope that we are able to connect, uh, again, sometime in the future on another topic. And, uh, I will definitely, uh, let you know if I find myself out that way anytime (laughs) in the coming years and, uh, hopefully connect with you in person. So, um, is there anything, um, is there anything, any websites or anything that you want to mention that, um, where people can get in touch with you, um, or with the, uh, you know, with any organizations that you work with?
1: Disability Rights California um, is really easy to find. Um, you can, of course, just Google Disability Rights California and it'll be the first um, site that comes up. And the website is um, Disability Rights with an S at the end, ca.org. Um, and wherever you are in the country, there's a disability rights organization Uh, it's a protection and advocacy organization in your state. Um, And so um, all of them have, um, you know, uh, websites or social media pages. And so um, they are very easy to access and they'll be able to give you some information. But of course, I mean, specific to your disability, um, there might be other um, organizations that that might kind of be more in line with um, with your circumstance. And so I encourage everybody uh, to, to Google or to look up um, different um, organizations that represent different disabilities, disab- you know, um, folks who are vision impaired, folks who are um, hearing impaired, folks who have intellectual and developmental disabilities, folks with mental health disabilities. Um, it is crucial that we find support and we find um, community I know that you know people with disabilities, um, all different types of disabilities can can go through challenging times um, during COVID. It's been a very challenging time. So being able to find a community to be a part of, being able to find a support system is so crucial. So uh, so yeah, I would say that you know those organizations and 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 you know as well as um, nonprofits that are just doing really great work, especially. Um, you know, the NAACP does amazing work um, throughout the country and in everybody's local city and everybody's state. So I would encourage everybody to support their local NAACP, um, as well as other organizations, uh, you know, plenty of LGBTQIA plus um, organizations that we need to support. Um, and, all, you know, all of us can do our part, as, as we said earlier.
0: Great. Thank you so much, Eric, for your Time today and uh, for this great conversation. I really appreciate it. And uh, I will definitely be in touch with you soon.
1: Thank you so much.
0: All right. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Thanks. All right.